licensed marriage and family therapist and relationship coach. I travel the world helping people to learn the skills they need to have happy and healthy relationships. And I am Big Sexy, her loving husband and co-host, here to provide brevity. I don't know why that, I don't know why I find that funny. Yeah, me either. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually, because it's it's fun to say. Brevity is a very very fun word word. to say. So what are we talking about today? Um, so for today, um, as I was kind of thinking about the topics, uh, you know, it's kind of sometimes this is informed by things that happen for us. A lot of times it's informed by things that happen in my practice, um, both coaching and uh, relationship therapy. And I was thinking, first I was thinking maybe we do relationship myths, quote unquote, Ooh. right? Uh, but then I realized that, you know, rather than do myths, which is this thing that is just not true. It's like, you know, a myth is like a troll or like right. you know, a, a goblin, right? Or like, right, generalization. Yeah, well, I mean, like they're also like myth busters, right? Where they take right. a regular myth and then they put it to the scientific test and see, you know, what the results are. Some myths are true and some myths aren't. Yeah, well, that, aren't. that wasn't my thought process. Okay, my gotcha. thought process was <laughs> that, you know, if I'm thinking about my thought of myth, right? I'm thinking like, fairy tales or stories, right? Right. And fairy tales and stories aren't necessarily what hurt relationships, Um, but beliefs do. Because the things that we believe about relationships inform our behavior about relationships. Okay. And I find that sometimes people hold relationship beliefs. They don't know how they got them. They don't know where they got them, but they have them. Right. And it dictates how they behave to their partner, what they expect from their partner. So I thought instead of talking about relationship myths, we would actually talk about relationship beliefs that okay. might be hurting people's relationship. I like it. Um, so I don't know. I don't have any particular order. Some of these are things that, you know, you'll probably be very familiar with. Uh, I think the one that I hear most often, and it's not, I think, the most important one, but the one I hear most often is... Uh, don't ever go to bed angry. That that is very common. That is very common. When you ask, you know, when you hear talk to like, you know, they say old wives' tales, mm-hmm. or when you talk to people about how did your relationship, you know, last, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they often say, yeah, don't go to bed angry. Yeah, right. I don't know who started that, but they got to stop that. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that. Um, First of all, it sets up an expectation. Number one, that problems that we have should be easy to solve, right? And that in and of itself becomes frustrating because if we have a problem that is ongoing, it might just be a real problem that's ongoing. And it is frustrating or it is angering. It's making me upset. And I decide that I have to get over that anger by a certain time period, right? right? Then or stay up all night Or long. stay up all night long. <laughs> and here's the thing about that. I, I actually have a name for that in my practice. It's this, this conversation. And y'all, if you've been in relationship for any long period of time, you will recognize this conversation. It's the conversation where it goes on and on. It goes on for hours. You find that each person is simply restating their point in right. a different way. And I like to call that monologuing. Because for hours and hours, all that's happening is that I'm sharing my monologue with you and you're sharing your monologue with me and no one's actually communicating. And then everybody gets more and more frustrated because the conversation is not a conversation. It just looks like a conversation. And it doesn't actually produce what I want it to produce, which is a resolution. Right. right? And if if you're adhering to this belief... Then now you're going to add tired into the mix, exactly, because you don't want to go to bed while you're still angry. But there's no resolution. There's no resolution. So now you're up. You're tired. And I don't know about most people, but I the more tired I get, the less likely I am to find a resolution. Yeah, you know, I, I try to tell folks that if you're going to have a conversation that you want to be productive. 
the first thing you need to do is make sure that neither one of you, if at all possible, it's not always possible, but if at all possible, try to do it when neither one of you are tired, hungry, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Right. Because right. if, if I need a chicken sandwich, I'm trying to hear what you're talking about. Nobody's time. trying to, I'm not trying to hear nothing you're saying if I'm actually hungry. And the thing about it is that these things, we pretend like our emotions are this separate thing that are separate from our physical bodies. Right. But the reality is that they're not. So that if I am tired, then I'm going to feel a certain way. If my stomach hurts, I'm not necessarily going to be in a place that's joyful, even if joyful things are happening around me. Right? Right, right. So, you know, part of understanding how I interact with the other person is understanding how I am in my internal state. Right. Right. And if I'm off balance in my internal state and that other person is off balance in their internal state, I want you to think about how well you learn something when you're tired. Right. How well do you take in somebody else's perspective? When you're hungry. I don't. At all. At all, right? Mm -hmm. So I can't hear nothing you're talking about. You know, sometimes it, you know, we might feel like we need a resolution and what we actually need is a sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I would just suggest um, the idea that we can't go to bed angry actually really hurts relationships. Uh, Now, the opposite of that, which is where people take time out, that only works if we actually decide when the next time in is going to be. Right. Right. And that we use that time out not to like stew and stir and, you know, stay in this frustrated state. The purpose of a time out when I take a break from a frustrating conversation is actually for me to take time to calm myself, to engage with my own internal state. Right. So that if I am hungry, let me go get a sandwich. If I am tired, let me go take a nap. If I am frustrated, let me do something that releases that frustration from my body, if at all possible, right? right? So the purpose of a timeout, and I don't know, I guess that's therapy speak, right? Timeout meaning we decide mutually uh, that we need to take a break. And by mutually, actually, maybe I shouldn't even say mutually. One of us decides that we need to take a break, right? right? Um, We also need to, at that time before we break, determine when we are going to come back and have this conversation again. Because what can then happen is that folks will just opt out of conversation. They'll just do a veto. I can't take this anymore. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm going to stop having this conversation. And then the necessary conversation doesn't happen. Right. And I think that this belief is really more speaking to how do we make sure that we have the necessary conversations? And I would suggest that having an arbitrary time period is not the way to do that. Having a time period that says, I need X amount of time to cool off, right? Whether that's 15 minutes, 24 hours, a week, whatever it is, as long as we have an agreement that we will come together and we will have this conversation again, but that at the time we come together, we both commit that in our time apart, we're going to work on how to bring a better emotional state to the conversation. Okay. Right? Um. So yeah, the whole idea of don't go to bed angry, y'all. Cut it out. Cut it out. Cut it out. If you need to go to bed angry, go to bed. Go it to just bed. sounds like you need to go to bed. Yeah. So. Go to bed. Yeah, I think that's a. a, a you're probably a actually if you go to bed angry. You you probably wake up less angry. Yeah. I mean, you may it may come back to you when you wake <laughs> up, but but, that, but there's a nice chance that you're gonna wake up like you know that, that that's the phrase, right? Let's sleep on it. Let's sleep on it, right? Let's sleep on it. Let's, yeah. let's, let's get some sleep and come back to it later. Yeah. You know, I'm giggling because I remember there are a couple of times where I actually woke up and I had a dream and I woke up mad at you. Right, yes. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I guess, I and I didn't that. go to bed angry, but I woke up. You woke up angry, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, don't don't do that either. Yeah. <laughs> right but no, the idea that you know we have to solve things immediately, uh, I think, is hurting people. Got it. Yeah. Um, and even, and I feel like I'm jumping ahead, right? Because I, I say we're talking about beliefs and we haven't even discussed what, what a belief is, right? Okay. Um, have we discussed what a belief is? We, not, not yet. Okay. I just want to be sure. Um, I think for me, when I think about a belief, it's just a set of ideas that I hold to be true at this moment. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. they may be true. They may not be true, but it's an idea that I think is true. And therefore, I believe it. Right. Right. Uh, and that's why it's different than a fact. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, what's another belief? I'm going to cross off uh, don't go to bed angry. 
Um, I guess let's let's keep on that that vein of uh, difficult communication, which is that if you're in a healthy relationship, you shouldn't fight. You never have any disagreements. Yeah, that was one that I really believed. Uh, even when we like first got together. Oh, interesting. Um, you know that for some reason I had my belief that if you if you really were in a like a loving, healthy, healthy, loving, committed relationship, mm-hmm. that you wouldn't fight. Right. You may disagree. Mm-hmm. Right, but it wouldn't lead to a fight. Right. Well, and by fight, we don't mean anything physical, of course. Right. We mean an argument, right? Yeah. Uh, nothing should ever lead to physical violence. Yeah, right. That's correct. Uh, nothing should ever lead to emotional abuse. Right. Um, but there are times when we are just in conflict because, like, I don't know, for me, every human being is this, like, bizarre, weird collection of millions of experiences, right? <laughs> right? And, like, there's no way that we can map even in ourselves how those millions of experiences create the person that we are today. Right. Um, and how that's going to gel with somebody else. And how that's going to gel with somebody else. And, you know, I used to tell folks, you know, well, I still tell folks when they come to uh, sit with me, particularly with relationship coaching, I kind of say it tongue in cheek, but, you know, the secret for that every relationship uh, coach knows is that the people that fight are folks that are in unhealthy relationships and folks that are in healthy relationships. Like, so everybody. Everybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, that's not to say that if you're not fighting, uh, that you're not in a healthy relationship. But honestly, I would tell you that the most difficult people uh, in relationship coaching to work with are those folks who tell me we never, ever fight, but weren't having problems. Right. If you're having challenges, you're not feeling connected, your relationship isn't going the way that you want it to go, and you never fight. That combination tells me that you never talk. Right. <laughs> right. Right? right. That you have decided that it is easier to have this kind of acceptable level of unhappiness <laughs> that just decides that we're just not going to talk about anything and it's just going to be okay enough, but it's never okay enough. Right. And right? live in silent animosity. And just live in silent animosity. And here's the thing about that is that, you know, folks can live in unhappy relationships for a really, really long time. I mean, serious decades, they can kind of go along and just get through each day um, just with a, a particular level of unhappiness that uh, pro- that uh, doesn't force them then to have the really necessary difficult conversations that long-term partnerships necessarily are going to have to walk through. Right. Um, so uh, the idea that partners never fight, I think, is incorrect. Uh, but I do think that it's important to know how to fight, right? right? And how to make those fights productive. Uh, we are actually touched on it in the in the first myth. One is to, you know, try to come to those uh, conversations with my best self. Right. Right. Um, the second, I think, is to treat my partner with generosity. And it's really difficult to think about treating your partner with generosity when you are fighting. (laughs) Um, But I think it's very important because we come from a specific frame, right? Now, if, for example, let's let's give an example of what I mean when I say generosity. Okay. Um, It is believing that my partner is coming from the best possible place. Right. Okay. So that let's say, um, I don't know, I had a flat tire and I called my partner and they didn't pick up the phone and it's been hours and hours and they didn't pick up the phone. Right. Now, one place of generosity might be, I don't know what they're doing. Something must be preventing them from seeing my message. Um, but they'll, they'll get, they'll, they will get to me. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. A frame of being ungenerous is why is this person ignoring my text? They see I'm in trouble. They don't care. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And both of those are assumptions. And I have the option to make either assumption. Right. Because you don't know. Because I don't know. Right. But if I'm, if I'm in a healthy and loving relationship, um, I, I should be able to come from a place of generosity right. that says I am thinking the best of you. 
as opposed to thinking the worst of you. Right. And sometimes we can't help it because again, our own internal state is kind of like agitated. Right. Especially um, if you're in, especially if you're in an emergency situation. You're, in an emergency you're like, situation. I need you now. Why are you not available to me the moment I absolutely need you? Right. Right. Um, but if I come from a place of generosity, one, it honors who you are as, as a person. Uh, I would hope that you're in a place where I, you would recognize the person is generous. Now, of course, this only works if the person that you're with is generous. Right. Now, if this is a person that ignores your text messages on a regular basis, well, then that's not a belief. That's, that's just something that, that's, that's some, a part of your experience. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, if, if this is something that is outside of the norm, right, that typically this person would respond to me, typically we would have these interactions, right? I want to go with whatever the best possible you is. Right. Right. As opposed to the idea of, you know, the worst possible you. Right. Right. And then operating from that basis. So um, not always possible, but I find it's helpful right. when we are having arguments or disagreements. So if you're entering into a, a fight and you're getting into an argument, your, your mentality about your partner is they want a positive resolution mm-hmm. to this situation. Yes. And they they have a strong point that they're trying to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also want resolution. They also want resolution. Mm-hmm. And, and a, they want a positive resolution. Yeah. Not this person's not trying to hurt me. This person yeah. is, is trying to deceive me. Yeah. And I have to actually thank our, our couples therapist for that because right. there was a period of time where we were in a lot of conflict. Right. And, you know, part of the benefit of going to, uh, to coaching at that time was that uh, I learned how to sit with anger, right, and still be able to hear my partner. And that was a really difficult learning process because I think for my frame, uh, not only did I have the idea that, like, we should fight, but that I should win. <laughs> <laughs> I don't right. always wanted to win. Right. So, um, and I think that's the other frame, right? Is that, you know, the, the goal is to resolve and not to win. That's going to take me to another belief. Mm-hmm. Uh, but put a pin in that. That's no, no, let's not put it in it. What's the belief? Oh, so, uh, so let me give you a little backstory. So when I was working um, at the call center mm-hmm. for the casino, mm-hmm. One of my favorite things to do in conversation, because you got to engage in personalized conversation when you're taking people's money. Yeah. It makes them easier to give you some money. And one of my favorite things to do is if I know somebody was coming into a casino and they were traveling with their wife and they had been married for my first question, oh, how long have you been married? Mm-hmm. Great question. Uh, they would tell me, and then if it, if it was over 10 years, mm-hmm. 10 years and above, mm-hmm. I would always say, oh, man, okay, you reached a decade. What's the secret to staying married? Mm-hmm. Right? And a big percentage of them, uh, well, if they were guys, mm-hmm. they would say, uh, "Learn to say I'm sorry." Oh, interesting. Learn okay. to say, learn, learn to say I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, you don't always have to be right. Yeah. Do you want to be right? Do you want to be happy? Happy, <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll talk about that. Right. Right. Um, if they were women. Mm-hmm. It was it was this list of things that sounded appropriate, like sounded accurate, more, much more accurate actually. Like what? Like uh, you know, communicate, uh, listen to your partner. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, I did hear quite a bit of "Don't go to bed angry." Right, right. I heard, um, but I heard you know, work it out. Uh, I'm sorry is not a bad word. Right. You yeah. know, things of that nature. Yeah. Where where most guys. Uh, this is sounded to me. They're approaching it as say I'm sorry to get done with the argument, whether you believe you're right or not. Oh yeah. See that that gets to a point for me about uh, fighting fair, right? And one way of fighting fair is taking accountability. Um, and you know, I, I do understand the idea of just like agreeing to to close the conversation. Um, but again, that that to me leads to don't fight. Right. Right. Uh, which is the myth that we are talking about. Right. right. Which is that right. like this is not an idea of how do I 
like shimmy out of that fight. (laughs) (laughs) What can I say to get away from this fight? To get you to stop talking to me (laughs) about this thing. About this particular thing. I don't want to fight no more. Yeah, no. Um, Yeah. So, you know, part of it too is taking actual and real accountability, right? Which is taking in my part, understanding that you know, relationships are just that. They are relational, which means we are both participating. Uh, I also, I think when I get started with couples, particularly uh, when they are, you know, couples or whatever uh, amount of partnerships, uh, when they are really angry, right? Uh, I, I almost always, in fact, I do always start with, what about your behavior should change for this to work? Right? Okay. Because as funny as it is, when people sit down in front of me, they have chapter and verse. They have like bullet points and like <laughs> subheadings of everything they think their partner right. needs to change right. that will make the relationship better. Um, but um, they haven't really thought about what do I need to change to make this better? What is actually my part in this? Right. How am I taking accountability? Right. And that's a question often either one people have difficulty with, right? Because they're like, ah, nothing. Oh, well, that's the wrong answer. Right, right. People will tell you there's no wrong answers in therapy, except that's a lie. That's the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> right? Other belief, there's no wrong answers. Yeah, no, therapy. it's very rare, right? It's right. very rare that really one person is like just hitting all the marks and the other person is just like, oh, messed up. Those, uh, yeah. those relationships don't, they don't gel no, anyway. Don't really too much exists. That's not either. that's not relational, right? right? I mean, they do exist. I mean, but then there are other problems. There are personality disorders. There right. are you know abusive situations. Right. Those kinds of things are one sided, right? right? There are unilateral actions you can take in relationship that are just your fault for real, for real. Um, but if we're just having problems communicating, first of all, it's interesting. People always come to me and say they're having problems communicating. They are not having problems communicating. They communicate exactly what they think. Ah. <laughs> right? right? Actually, you're communicating really well. You're letting your partner know Just that like you don't like something hearing. about them, that you are unhappy about something that's happening in the relationship, and you're communicating that to them. Is that because people think that communicate that proper communication equals change? Yes. Right? Yes, they so do. If, if I'm communicating perfectly. Right. And this person is not changing. Right. It must be that I am I'm not, not communicating. communicating. Right. Yes, exactly that. Right. And the answer is y'all are actually communicating really, really well. And you're all here. You're hearing exactly what the other person wants you to hear. Right. Which is it's your fault. I don't like this about you. You're the problem. Right. You're communicating all of that perfectly. And if that's the frame you're coming from, that's what you intend to communicate. Right. right? So I tell them, actually, you're communicating really well. You just don't like the message. Right. <laughs> right. You're not liking what you're hearing. You prefer to have a different message. And that's a different path, right? How do we get to creating a different message between you as opposed to the idea that y'all aren't communicating correctly? Because you're actually communicating really loud and clear. Right. Right. Even silence communicates, guys. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so like a couple fight. So a couple so, so, so we got we got So we have go feel free to go to bed angry. Feel free to go to bed angry. And that's because couples fight. Because couples fight, right? Um and there are also the other thing about this is that there are different ways of fighting. There's kind of like this gold standard, which we call active listening, right? Which is that like, I don't know, you say your thing and I listen, and I say my thing and you listen. And that sounds like that's how we communicate. There are a lot of different ways that partners communicate, right? Right. You know, so just the idea, number one, for example, uh, again, removing any kind of abusiveness when people, people can get loud and communicate. Right. And it's still perfectly valid communication. Y'all just got a loud style. (laughs) Right. But the fact that we get loud, if it's not abusive, is not necessarily indicative of the idea that the communication is off. Right. Right. Uh, Some folks prefer to uh, sit in silence, right? And prefer to have their silence communicate, right? Not that they're not participating, but they are being choiceful about what they share. Right. Right. So there's a whole range and spectrum of communication. So the idea that we just have this very pleasant, calm, kind of like Pollyanna conversation, and that Mm -hmm. means we're communicating well, not always the goal, y'all. Right. Sometimes. Now, 
Yeah. Okay, hold on. Wait, give, give me one second. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. What I uh, this made me think of not when we first met, mm-hmm. but when I first came to your house. Uh oh. <laughs> Where's this going? <laughs> and, and you and your then you and your ex were having a communication. That's right. Right. Which I wasn't privy to. Right. That's right. But you guys were talking to what sounded to me like a just a generic normal, normal conversation, conversation but it wasn't it wasn't it was a fight what kind of communication was that that was a silent and signaled conversation okay right uh i think that you know particularly with partners that have been together for a long period of time there becomes a shorthand to how I understand how you communicate. Right. We right? D- we definitely have a shorthand. You we have I. a shorthand yeah. for how we communicate. And that comes out in a lot of different ways. That can come out in like inside jokes, <laughs> right. uh, you know, different, you know, mannerisms, different uh, words that we use. Check out the episode where we talk about laughing in relationships to hear more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, that was the a form of fighting. Right. That we had that like other people would not recognize as a fight. Right. Because sure didn't. it was something that was internal. We understood the subtext. Right. <laughs> right. In a way that other people were not going to understand that subtext. Right. Yeah. So, like I said, huge range of communication from the like the very loud, boisterous, you know, we're going to get this out. Right. To the very quiet, silent, like we're not even going to say the thing, but we know the thing. Right. Right. Uh, it really depends on the the channels of communication that you set up. Okay. Right. Uh, so that's fighting. Um, let's see. Oh, here's one. Here's one that um, I hear a lot, which is that if this person loves me, then they will know and understand the things that I need. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's a tough one um, because there is a certain amount of uh, learning your partner and understanding how your partner operates. But it comes with a lot of open, honest, vulnerable conversation, right? right? Um, Of just letting people know exactly what I need. Right. And then, you know, it's it's really interesting um, because the first thing that does is it puts the responsibility on the individual to know what they need and want. Okay. And a lot of times I find that some of the challenges that people have is they, they go into a relationship and they start demanding things that they want, but they don't know what they want, actually. Right. Right. So they just decide that I need to have this thing. I want to have this thing. They don't know why they want to have it. They don't know why they need to have it. Right. Uh, they just decide that I have to have this ask, right? <laughs> right? And sometimes, at least uh, from people that I've chatted to and talked to generally, mm-hmm. sometimes they'll have multiple wants mm-hmm. and some of those wants will contradict the other. Right, right. Which is fine. I mean, the thing about human beings is that we are contradictory. And complex, we yeah. We do want different things at different times. We do hold competing beliefs. We hold competing priorities. Right. We change, you know, uh, depending on what is happening in our environment and our circumstance. I mean, we're like a really complex being. Get out. And so, you know, the idea, <laughs> number one, that what I want and need has to be consistent. Right. Right. And number two, that someone else should have an accurate read of what that is for me is really challenging. Um, And part of that for me is helping folks to understand that happiness is an internal state of being, right? Uh, I don't know, and I actually say this to to folks I sit with, I don't know what happiness feels like in your body. Right. I have no idea, (laughs) right? Uh, I don't know if it feels the same as it does for me, if it feels different for, for you, um, I don't know what confidence feels like in your body. So I can't deliver an emotional state to you. Right. Right. And oftentimes I think that what folks are wanting when they have this idea that like, I don't tell you what I want, but you kind of like divine it somehow mm-hmm. is that another person can deliver an internal state of being uh, and they can't. <laughs> right? it's, not possible. it's not possible. I mean, their presence may enhance it. Uh, maybe, (laughs) I mean, their presence may enhance it, 
their presence may decline from it, right? But it, their presence can't ever deliver it, if right. that makes sense, right? Yes. Um, so, uh, At least to me. Yeah. So, I mean, so when I think about those folks that, that really want someone to, you know, just know, to just know, and if you just know, right, it's kind of like saying, what I want you to do is to just guess, just guess. And if you get it right, you get a prize. Right. <laughs> right. And the prize is me. And, and I'm smiling. And it's me happy, not me, me angry at you. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, that, when I see that structure with folks in relational process, that tells me that people have expectations that they are unwilling to share. Right. And when you have expectations that you're unwilling to share, it is almost impossible to actually meet those expectations. Not that everybody has to meet my expectations, right? But if I don't even tell them what they are, if I don't even know what they are, right? Right. It is really hard to be in healthy relational process, right? So if I have a need, uh, and this is how you get around this belief, if you have a need, right, share that need. Share it. Right? Um, And if you don't feel safe sharing that need, then take the time it needs to, you need to create safety between you, right? Is it that you don't feel like your partner is going to listen to you? Is it that you feel like your partner doesn't care about your needs? Is it that you think your partner can't meet your needs? Right. Whatever that is, right, um, avoiding saying it doesn't change it. Right. <laughs> right? It doesn't change it. still exists. Right? It still exists. Um, and, and I find that people then get into this uh, communication pattern. And y'all might recognize this communication pattern. Where folks will say, um, I can't trust the people around me to meet my needs. So instead, I'm going to meet my own needs. Right. Which is fine. But in doing so, a couple things happen, particularly if I'm meeting my if I'm meeting my own needs and meeting the needs of other folks, the express needs of other folks. Right. What will happen then is those needs get crunched down and crunched down and crunched down. I feel like a really good, generous and giving person. Right. Because I am. I'm out there meeting everybody's needs. Look at you go. Look at me meeting everybody's needs. Right. (laughs) Nobody's meeting my needs because I'm not telling them what those needs are. Right. And then at some point, because we are human, we will need something. And it might be a big thing and it might be a small thing. But those needs will like compress themselves down like an atom bomb. And then I'll get to that one thing. I just need this one thing. Can you please pick your towels up off the floor? (laughs) Right. Right. And then the answer is no, because like, I don't know, you've never needed me to do that before. And then boom. Everything explodes, right? And now I'm angry and we're in that cycle where we're fighting. Right. And people don't know why we're fighting, right? The other person's kind of like, what? Like, it's it's a towel. It's a what, what, right? Yeah. Um, and then that moves us into another communication pattern, right? Which is the, ang- you know, the aggressive communication pattern, right? And that also has benefits, right? Number one, when I get into that angry, aggressive communication pattern, Things get done. My needs actually do get met. Right. Right. It's Suddenly like, that towel gets picked up right away. It gets picked up right away. It's the idea that like, you know, when mama starts screaming, people start jumping. Right. Right. Why I got to scream at you to get stuff done. Right. It's that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. And that does two things. Right. Again, it feels I, I get my needs met. So that's a positive is that actually what happens is people motivate. They get the need done. They recognize that you need it. They didn't recognize it before. Now they hear it. Now often they will go and do it. But then I'm damaging my relationships with the people around me. Right. And I'm damaging my relationship with myself. And what happens with those folks then is they go back and go, uh, see what happens when you get mad and angry at people? Let me go back to not asking anybody. Right. That's what we call a passive aggressive communication style. Oh. Right. So I'm passive first and then I'm aggressive and I bounce between those two polarities in order to get my needs met. Right. Right. And when we talk about assertive communication, um, what we're actually talking about are the recognition that we all have needs, right? And the movement between which needs have priority, right? So that sometimes your needs have priority, sometimes my needs have priority, that we're able to assess that, right? And then ask for what it is that we actually need from each other. Uh, And whatever your communication style, what we're actually looking to get to is assertive communication, right? right? Where your needs are important, my needs are important. Uh, I don't have to either 
deny or uh, demand, right? Um, yeah, I don't know how we got to that, but I like it. So. I like it, yeah, yeah. Um, we start talking about this person knows me. They'll understand what I need. That's right. That's right. So uh, how do you get around that is by letting the people that you expect to meet your needs, letting them know what those needs are. Right. And that, of course, requires some self-investigation for you to understand what your needs are. are. Um, Can't tell somebody what you don't know yourself. Can't tell somebody what you don't know yourself. And, And the only tip I have there is, you know, try not to go around demanding things if you don't know you need them or you don't know you want them. Right. Right. Try to get that understanding before you start asking for um, I, I see one of my favorites on your list. What's that one? There, opposites attract, number eight. Oh yeah, let's talk about that one. Opposites attract. I find that one interesting. Tell me, yeah. tell me why that's one of your favorites. Well, one uh, because it means that you're not gonna. If it's true, mm-hmm. if true, you are rarely gonna find your significant other. Okay, say, say more. Re- because. If you are opposite from me, mm-hmm. that generally means we don't have anything in common. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have anything in common, what are we going to bond over? Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. Where, how, how are we going to meet each other? Yeah. You know? And if we do meet, what are we going to bond over? What are we going to talk about? What are we going to you know, discuss? What, what? There, there, has, there has to be some overlap. Yeah, there, there does. Right. Um, now, now, people, now, because we're all individuals, mm-hmm. Right, and we're all you know have likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. Not every single one of those, like the inverse, isn't true. Mm-hmm. Like the only like people attract. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that uh, it's it's not because I don't think that the opposite is the attraction, right? Well, like, that's, like that's, you, that's, you, you that's and what's I, so interesting. It's actually it, it is. So this is a myth or a belief that is is really complex actually. Okay. And it's because the the I um there is um there are different phases of relationships. And one of the phases is attraction. Okay. And the things that we want in attraction are often uh opposite or at least very different from the things that we want in long-term partnership, right? Okay. So like when I think about like someone that I find initially just kind of attractive, right? Mm-hmm. One is they're like there's mysterious they're mysterious. There's a mystery there. Well, I don't want to have a long-term partnership with a mystery. Right? <laughs> um, okay. You know, uh very rarely do I have folks sit down and go, you know what I was sitting there and I just saw how dependable this person was. I was like hot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, woo, right. look at that for a one K. Oh my God. Like right. No, I'm um, looking at that, looking at her like, oh man, right. she definitely puts the dishes in the dishwasher. <laughs> right, exactly, right. Ooh. So, so a lot of the things that actually initially attract us to another person right. are not necessarily the same qualities that I want to carry over into long term partnership, right? Right. So the phases between attraction and commitment, um, there there is a crossover there. They can make that a really delicate balance because I can be very attracted to people who are not good long-term committed partners. I mean, that happens all the time. And it happens all the time. Continually. Right. Because, you know, the mystery of human attraction is that we are attracted to things that are different from us. We are attracted to those things that we find them intriguing. We find them captivating. Right. Um, But there's always a flip side to those things. Uh, So, Uh, One example I can tell you from my coaching practice. Uh, Let's say that you start an early relationship and the thing you really loved about this person is that they are spontaneous, right? Mm -hmm. Like they take me on this whirlwind trip and like, you know, the first date we went up in a helicopter and one date they, you know, grabbed me and flew me to another city for a baseball game and, you know, all these things that folks are doing. That's really, really attractive when we're dating. Right. When we have kids, uh, you're like, hey, guess what? I just bought Mets tickets. Nobody is happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) Except the one person who did it. Well, except the person that's spontaneous. And so the flip side of spontaneous is that in some circumstances, that's spontaneous and that's attractive. In other circumstances, that's irresponsible. 
and uncaring and thinking, right? It doesn't take in the context of the other person. Right. So, you know, a lot of the things that folks find in early attraction, right? They try to fit into long-term partnership and they think like, oh my God, this person has changed. They haven't changed actually. It's just that what I wanted and was initially attracted to in the early phases don't actually fit what I need for a long-term committed partnership. Right. Right. And so those set of variables are different. That's part of the reason why it's hard to find folks that I'm both attracted to and am compatible with long-term. Right. right? Because they have to have spontaneous and stable. Yeah. Right. So we actually, you actually, when you consider long-term partnership and those relationships that work long-term, they change over time necessarily right. because the things that support each of those phases is different. Right. So you're not looking for one a person with one set of characteristics. You're actually looking for a person with several sets of characteristics. <laughs> right? So then what, why is it, what, what, what originates the idea that opposites attract? Like- well, I think because, because that early set uh, really typically is something that is different from me. Right. So if I'm typically like a, a, a stable, chill kind of person, this person that's spontaneous, I admire that. OK. Right. Like I, I find that so intriguing and it's so different from me. And like, yeah, so so it can be really attractive to find someone who is not like the total opposite. It's rare, I think, that people go for someone that is the total opposite. Right. But that has traits that are not traits that are familiar, that are like my strength. Right. Right. So in that sense, what I tell folks is, you know, when I look at the attraction versus long-term commitment, the, the uh, dovetail there is in what we call core, core values. Right. So those traits, however they translate and we grow and we change over time. Right. right. Like, we, like you do. Like you do. Um, but the thing that we, that actually bonds us across that divide is core values do we value the same things? Right. Right. And even then there won't be a total overlap, but, you know, healthy relationships have a, a good core a set of, of um, deep overlap in core, in core values and beliefs, core right. Beliefs, right. Um, about how, how we should live and how we should treat each other and what we want for our future. And, you know, honesty. I mean, these are the kinds of core values that then uh, bridge the divide between attraction and long-term commitment, right? Yeah. I can see, I can also, you know, of course, anytime these kind of things come up, these conversations come up, I begin to look back, look inward. I look back on our relationship mm. and how, oh, this is how these things kind of correlate with what we went through. What, we what's the through. look back for you? Um, so I try to think, okay, so what, what attracted to me to you mm-hmm. and what of those things that attracted me to you, what were different than what I have? Okay, right. I'm interested. Um, Let's. I, I don't think we've actually talked about this. So. I, don't, I don't know that we have. Wow. Actually. Okay. Um, I'm... Podcast <laughs> exclusive. Yeah, podcast. <laughs> I'm trying not to be nervous. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're about to say right now. <laughs> so, uh, I I look back. I loved that you were, um, professional. Mm-hmm. Right, and not that I'm not. <laughs> now, that, now I'm not. <laughs> Change, but uh, you know, you were like when we when we met and we started dating and things like that. Mm-hmm. You like you had you had a long term high paying job. Mm-hmm. Also, you were world traveled. Mm-hmm. Like you'd seen you'd seen been to so many different places. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and you were very very goal driven. Mm-hmm. And had like wonderful ideas, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, random ideas about ways to earn lots of money. Okay, fair. Right, like very. You had a very entre- entrepreneurial spirit. Yes, that is true. Right, um, and I, that really attracted me to you a lot because mm-hmm. um, I never saw myself as a business guy mm-hmm. to think of business plans to earn me a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I always thought I was going to earn a ton of money in the arts, mm-hmm. right? I'll mm-hmm. be this famous actor or semi-famous actor and, mm-hmm. and he got a, a decent living or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the flip side, right, you also love movies and you enjoyed hanging out and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's funny, you, you, uh, the big opposite was karaoke. 
Yeah. Initially, you didn't, you didn't like karaoke, Not and I love karaoke. Remotely. Right, but uh, but that I don't know that, but that wasn't an attraction point. No, no, I wasn't like. Right. Well, but that's what's so interesting is for me, it kind of was. Okay. To a certain extent, I, I really loved. So on my side, uh, some things I found attractive about you were that one, you were uh, such a person that was so confident being in front of other people. And I really love that confidence. I still do, actually. I think that's um, often those moments when I sit back and be like, oh, right. Like, oh, that's that's my partner. <laughs> right? uh, is when I view you through other people's eyes and I see like this kind of uh, this shining confidence and just having a certain um, a certain comfort and uh, ability to be relaxed mm-hmm. in, you know, these kind of very. Uh, spotlighty kind of situations where, you know, you were the center of attention. I really thought that, that, I mean, that was super attractive to me. Um, I really loved how social you were, uh, which was very opposite to me. Not that I'm not social, uh, right. but I really love how social, socially connected you were, um, how uh, you had such an ease in talking with people and just meeting people and particularly just putting other people at ease and helping other people to have a really good time. Um yeah. So, I mean, I think I found those very, very attractive. And oftentimes that's why, even though I hated karaoke, I would go to karaoke. Right. Not because I wanted to participate, but because that was a place where I saw you shine. And I just really loved like seeing that part of you. Um, I mean, I guess I still do. So, I mean, that, that still kind of bridges. But now you participate. By. Well, we don't tell people that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not as often, not as, not, nearly, <laughs> not nearly as much as me. No, no, no not even remotely. No, not, not even, not even close. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So yeah, I guess that's that's interesting how that's how that shifted over time to right. a certain extent, and that's also shifted because like look at you with your podcast and yeah. getting out there and creating you know different models for yourself about how you're going to you know earn earn a living in the world. So. Yeah, a lot of things have shifted over the years. Yeah, true indeed, true mm-hmm. indeed. Mm-hmm. Those are good. Um, well, we're getting close. We should, we, uh, we should probably get to our questions. Questions from listeners. Yeah. Yes. So uh, actually, this actually goes right along. And I love this question from Ryan. Thank you, Ryan, for sending this question in. Uh, the question from Ryan, uh, they actually sent two. Uh, one is, uh, do people have a soulmate? Or do people have multiple soulmates? Okay. Um, and I think that this is one of those beliefs that uh, hinder people. Well, yes, right? yes. Uh, the idea that there is some soul match for me, right? Uh, and I, I, I almost hesitate to say it because it's such a wonderful belief to hold, right? Mm. That there is some human being out there among the billions of human beings and I'm going to look at you and you're going to look at me and our souls are going to go, you, I pick you. Right. And sometimes that happens, but more often than not, that actually develops over time. Right. right? Um, and, and what I would tell you is that in those billions and billions of people with billions and billions of experiences and histories and narratives and desires and needs, there are probably many matches. Right that, you know, uh, that would be good for you. Uh, I used to tell partners this. I don't tell them anymore because I don't think it is as well received as I would hope it would be. But I would tell folks, you know, you're asking if you're compatible. And my answer is no, you're not compatible because nobody is compatible, (laughs) right? Y'all are all weird. You're all bizarre, (laughs) right? Um, The question is, do I want to, do I want to put in the amount of work necessary to make a relationship with this other person work. Right. Right. So for some folks, like that is at a low level of amount of like energy and effort that I have to put into it. That is different from me from other folks. Like the question is like, I don't know if you had like 20 years and you wanted to make this work and you were willing to put a whole bunch of difficult work into it, then y'all could be compatible. <laughs> right. 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 So I think that there is, um, Again, rather than think about a soulmate, I would really want people to think about uh, what are what are the core values that I hold? What's actually important to me, right. right? And look for those core values in other people as opposed to like this kind of, I guess, I guess magic. when I think of soulmate, I think of magic, right? Like there's this magical, mystical, pre predetermined, 
you know, right. person that is destined for me. Um, and not to, you know, not to knock destiny. I'm not trying to tell anybody what they should or shouldn't believe. And, right. you know, folks can believe in destiny if they choose to. But also, I think it's important to know that relationships, um, relationships work for a lot of different reasons. Right. And it's not just that instant match. And I kind of rail against the idea of a soulmate because that to me precludes a lot of the work that goes into relationship, right? Like right. if you're my soulmate, then we just match and that's just what it is. Then, then you kind of just, then I don't have to tell you anything. You I don't already have to tell know you everything because you know my, my soul. soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in answer to Ryan, I would say as beautiful as the idea of a soulmate is and as wonderful as, you know, folks uh, who who actually do work to make relationships make a make it look like they are soulmates, and I think people would tell us that like, oh, you guys are you soulmates. guys are soulmates. Yeah, we we definitely heard uh, folks tell us that we are soulmates, and, and I I would say we absolutely are not soulmates. <laughs> we, just our history alone, yeah. like once people know, you know. How, how how we how we got how we together met, how we got together the the tr- the trajectory of the last we've been together what twelve years now yeah the the ups and downs and the trajectory that our relationship has gone there have been points where it felt like we were soulmates and then there were points where it felt like we were like nemesis right. you were my nemeses <laughs> you know right okay so. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, by the way, yes. uh, uh, two episodes ago, we did say we would tell folks where That's we met. Right. Oh, do we have to do it now? I don't no. know if it's such a good idea. No, no. we don't have to. We, I mean, we, we did say we, we're we said we can't. We, we we can give hints. No, we said we were going to do it. We gave hints last right. time because you kept telling people all kinds of stuff, but it wasn't. <laughs> so there you go. Right. Well, uh, we met. We physically met we each other for the first met each time. Other for the first time, meaning. Hi, my name is. Oh, my name is who? My name is what? what? Big, big, big sexy. sexy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that didn't happen. Then. That didn't happen. No, it, it wasn't. Again, the, the first time. That's why. That's why I said we didn't exchange time, names the first time. We, we did met. not. I didn't know what your name was when I when I saw you at really? Ross's party. Really mm-hmm. interesting. I knew I had met you. No, the day before we didn't exchange names. I thought no. I thought your friend introduced us. No, I'm pretty sure she didn't introduce us. Okay. Because you would, so then because my the my name met. is unique enough mm-hmm. that you'll rem- that you'll you'll lock onto it. Nah, I might not have because of the because of the environment. Well, because of the environment. Because of the environment. Right, okay, so fair. It fair. may not have like she may have registered. she may have told you. I may not have been a part of that, and okay. I don't recall it because I know when I saw you at Raleigh's birthday party, I did not know your name. Yeah, same. That's true. So then, so we're actually not talking about when we met. We're actually talking about the very first time we ever laid eyes for, on one another. The first time our spaces, our, our spheres connected, our spheres connected and crossed, was at a dungeon in Las Vegas called Power Exchange. Called the Power Exchange. And if you know, you know. If you know, you know. And if you don't know, Google it up. Just don't do and it on a work. If you don't, don't know, do actually, it on a work computer. Don't don't Google it. <laughs> that place went out of business for a very good reason it, it, it and did. we were not connected to the reason that it went out of business and you do google it right. <laughs> see <laughs> see curiosity you're going to be curious about it go ahead and do the research but yeah but yeah so we we actually met in a dungeon i think i was just hanging out with some friends you were hanging mm-hmm. out with some friends it was literally like a hangout spot yeah um, and, that. Uh, that was it that was it i i saw that person and wanted about my business yeah, same. And oh, then, there's, there's, there's more black people here. That's literally the thought that right? I had when I saw the two of you. Like, oh, yeah. look, there's, there's more black, black people, people here. here. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Maybe I can have the places in as, as, as you know, boring and white as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> you thought a dungeon was going to be boring? I, well, I knew it wouldn't be boring, but, you know, when you're, well, when you're the only black person in a place. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, I, I, Miss Dartmouth Grant. <laughs> I was the only black person. I'm not Dartmouth. the only one, but, but there weren't that many. There weren't that many. Um, yeah, so that that was that was a thing. So when I saw you guys, oh cool, that was the only thought I really had. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. So we, so officially, we laid eyes each other on each other in a dungeon. In a dungeon, and then we actually met at a birthday party. At a birthday party. So. Shout out to Rosie. So I don't know if anybody guessed either one of those. I think we said we specifically didn't meet at the birthday party, so we kind of lied. Sorry, y'all. We well, lied. I mean, we we didn't lie. I mean, we, we lied. We 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 we, we no, could we clarified in the in the episode we clarified that mm-hmm. you know 
while we while we first start talking to each other at uh, a mutual friend's birthday party. That's not where we actually physically met. That's true. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Fox wants to say hi, you guys. Hold yeah. on a second. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, Ryan, thank you very much for the question. Yeah. The questions. And we, um, Hope we yeah, were able I, to answer that question. Did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah. Um, I've always, always believed that we don't have a single soulmate. Mm-hmm. I've always said that the world is too big for that to be possible. The mm-hmm. world's too big and we're too individualistic mm-hmm. for that to make any sort of sense. Okay. It is a very romanticized way to say I found somebody who I connect with. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I feel like I connect with this person on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. They must be my soulmate. I went, that's ridiculous. Because every person that you've been in a long-term relationship, at some point in time, you felt you connected with that person mm-hmm. deeply. Yeah. Right. That person. And you did. You probably and you did. did. You absolutely did. And that person at that time was your soulmate. Mm-hmm. Right. I've always believed that there are, you know, I've always had this belief that there's a there's a chemical response mm-hmm. that goes along with you know attraction yes. and whatever. Right. There. There. Yep. And there are uh, vibes and brain waves that kind of sync up and link up that go way beyond my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still kind of hold this belief. That there, that, and then you meet people. And they sync up. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you're like, oh, okay, this, this person connects. That's why I say you can walk into a room of 30 people. Mm-hmm. You've never been in this room. You've never seen any of those 30 people. Mm-hmm. And you could walk out of there with a new friend. Yeah. Two new friends. You could walk out there with a significant other. But why not 30 new people? Why not 30 new friends? Why not 30 significant others? Mm-hmm. Right? That means there's something... Um, in that person's experience and brainwaves and thought patterns and, and whatever that drew you to each other. Yeah. You know, the way I, I language that is completely unscientific. It makes no, to me, the way I language that to folks I sit with is that folks are sticky. Human beings are sticky. And sometimes I walk into a room and I'll stick to certain people Mm -hmm. and they will stick to me. And I don't know why I stick to them. I don't know why they stick to me, but we become friends and we continue to stay stuck together. Yeah. Right. Uh, and other folks I don't stick to. Right. And I don't I don't have any particular like algorithm for how that takes place. I just know that human beings are sticky and yeah. that some people I'm going to be more sticky with. Yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah. that's my layman's layman's uh, explanation for how friendships and relationships. <laughs> you walk into a room and you find a sticky person. People get sticky with you. People get sticky with you. Who's <laughs> getting sticky with it? No. Getting no. sticky with it. <laughs> so, Damn it. Now I'm going to have to uh, write that song. So uh, I guess the, thank you, Ryan, for the question. And also thank you, everyone, that sent us uh, questions. Continue to send us your questions. We are just getting started with this podcast. And uh, I think we are doing a couple things while we do that. We're finding our voice, which I'm really starting to, to like how this is turning out. But also we're hearing your voice. And so I really appreciate uh, the folks that have sent in questions. We will try to uh, engage with all the questions that we can. And uh, some of y'all have sent some real like thinkers. Real thinkers, some like, heavy thinkers. Oh, like, let me oh. sit back and think about this one, Yeah, uh, which I so appreciate. Please keep those coming. Uh, if you have questions, Go on ahead and send it uh, to what's uh, Rain- the- Rainbow Dreamcatcher TLP at yep. gmail.com. You can email it there. If you pers- prefer social media, you can hit us up on Instagram at Rainbow Dreamcatcher The Love Pod. Uh, we're there on Instagram. And uh, I think I'll be creating a Facebook group soon to start building the community. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another uh, kind of a, a production question this is really for y'all is to what you guys want to be called right. our listeners and, and fans of the podcast it's early you know we don't you know we don't have a whole big massive amount of listeners but at some point in time we will um and we, we want to know what you guys want to be called you want to be called dream catchers you want to be like called that. rainbows you want to be called i like dream catchers too i like, I like the dream I like, catchers i like right? you know uh yeah, go out, like dream catchers. Go out and be colorful. You know, mm-hmm. like that kind of kind of tag for that between with it. So maybe we'll. Yeah, but like we said, it's it's developing. We're developing right. our our voice. We're developing this podcast. We're developing our style. And I can't tell you enough how grateful I am for you guys sharing your voice with us, sharing your feedback with us. 
please keep that coming. Send us messages yeah. and we will keep you abreast of all the new things that are happening. Yeah. And if you, uh, uh, for this episode, particularly, if you have any stories or myths or uh, beliefs about relationships that you would like us to address or, you know, uh, you know, confirm or debunk. Yeah. Uh, let us know in the comments if you're on YouTube, uh, in the messages if you're on Instagram, or um, send us an email. If you're uh, send us an email on, on Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, right. absolutely. All yeah, because right. we only got through like half of these guys, so we may have to come back. We to may this have to do a part two. Do a part two. Relationship beliefs that hurt relationships. Part two. All right, y'all. But thank you guys again for leaving. Take care. And once again. This is Rainbow Dreamcatcher, the Love Podcast. Bye-bye.